Welcome to Season 3 of The Lifestyle Chase, and I'm your host, Chris Little. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. To help this podcast grow, please share it on social media, rate five stars, tell your friends, and check out the past 140 episodes and counting. You can follow me on Instagram at Christian Little and at The Lifestyle Chase. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. So welcome to The Lifestyle Chase. This is episode 147, and I am joined by Dr. Jill Zimmerman. Um, when people uh, introduce you on a podcast or to speak, do you go by doctor or just Jill? Like, like how do you introduce yourself? Um, just Jill. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, pretty casual. Um, it, it's really interesting to be like a host of a fitness podcast because like i'll find so many people with so many different titles i'm like oh man like i don't want to mess this up i don't want to say it wrong and so many people are just like humble they're like yeah i put a lot of time into my credentials but i'm just a human being like i am chill just like anybody else like I, i just nobody really cares about the title to the extent that like they they want people to know that they walk their talk, but they also want people to know that they are super personable, super approachable, which is a good segue for something that I want my audience to know about. You are the master of making reels on Instagram. Like (laughs) (laughs) that is a huge part of what uh, got my attention. I was like, holy crap, like she's really good at this stuff. Like uh, you just have a good handle on humor and then you're able to deliver the message very concisely and it's valuable to a person like myself valuable to anybody that thinks my stuff is valuable so if they're not already following you they should because your reels are fire (laughs) (laughs) thank you i really i appreciate that that's something that's uh pretty new to me i just you know they're pretty new in general and then i kind of just started them and i actually really enjoy making them which is Maybe that kind of shows through, but I just, I find it's, it's pretty easy for me. Let's just say it's something that comes naturally. So whenever you're naturally good at something, you tend to do it more. So um, I kind of just, I, like you said, I just like to have fun with it, but still try to put out a really um, educational message at the same time. Well, I so. think that's, that's important, like, especially in an industry that many people describe as being like saturated They're like oh it's just everybody pumping out the same stuff like if you're gonna do something it should be something that you enjoy and it doesn't matter if like it's it's kind of like there's more than one way to do anything and so if your approach is not enjoyable for you but you feel ob- obligated to do it like if somebody just genuinely doesn't like making reels and somebody told them they had to make reels to like succeed well, if they don't want to, don't do it. But when you're actually enjoying what you do, like there is the one where um, you're going through all the different uh, like massage and Cairo and acupuncture and just how it was a vicious cycle, how you would have to go back to it if you weren't changing up your exercise selection, etc. Like that mm-hmm. just seemed so natural. And because it seemed natural, I like was more inclined to watch through for the full thing. Cause I was like, Oh no, like she is 
just being herself and just bringing the the point across of the value of of what she does she's she's expressing the value of what she does to her audience in a way that is natural in a way that other people can pick up on which i'm going to segue this into now is your opportunity to tell my audience what you do what makes you who you are and like what you're proud of yeah i mean that was a really good example if you haven't seen that one go ahead watch it but it I like to use the reels as opportunities to be show relatability. And that's kind of what I do in my profession. And um, I, I like to be relatable. I like to tell stories that uh, other people have experienced to people who are just coming uh, to me now with the same story and just reassure them that that is normal and okay. And this happens a lot, but we're going to, make it better for you. And so just trying to like make people feel like, Oh, I'm not weird that this happens to me. And there is an answer. And um, maybe she has the answer. Maybe she doesn't, but if she doesn't, she's going to make sure that I get to the right person who does. So um, with my, um, I'm a physical therapist. Um, I run sort of a hybrid uh, PT and training studio and that's what I try to do. I try to be sort of that advocate for people where I'm taking people who have had, you know, kind of tough to solve problems or, you know, I just don't feel listened to or, you know, I go to the doctor and they don't even like touch me or look at my knee or, you know, and I went to a PT and just a waste of time. And, you know, I just want an answer quickly and I want to get the problem. And if I can't do that for them, then be that person's advocate and help them find the right, the right people for them, you know? So that's, I just try to be, um, go a little bit above and beyond what, um, people might experience from a, a typical experience with, um, you know, a healthcare practitioner in our medical system, <laughs> which is hit or miss sometimes. Yeah, and it's cool to just have like that general vision for anybody in any profession that you work is like just go above and beyond. Like it doesn't take much more effort on our part no matter what we do to think okay, how can I just give a little bit extra to this person? Like the the value in that is is pretty incredible cuz like whether it be referrals or whether it be the sense of purpose that we have doing a career that can be quite challenging at times. Um, just yeah. if anybody is like listening to this and they're like, what is one thing that I could do differently that would improve upon my, where I'm at now? And it's like, look at the person in front of you right now and think, how can I give like 10% more for, for no reason, for no expectation, just what do I have that's 10% more of what they expect me to offer them kind of thing? Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's being empathetic and it's being, um, yeah, there's a lot of above and beyonds that you can do for people. And you're right. Like it does give you a sense of sort of a, uh, that you're doing a good thing, but also it gives them trust in you. And that is very powerful. Um, and if you are running your own business, that is what helps get referrals. It helps uh, word of mouth business. It helps bring keep 
bringing new people in the door as they go tell a friend, like, you got to see Jill. She's great. You know, or, or Chris, he's great. He's, you know, he's done so much more to me than anybody for me than anybody else, you know? So just being that person, um, you know, and it's little things like people will be like, people ask me for like, Hey, who, who should I go to see a dentist? You know, like, it's like, they want to know, like, they want me to like find their people for them because they trust my opinion and they trust um, that I want what's best for them, you know, and, and I do, but it's, that's, that's the sort of relationship that you need to build that's above and beyond your skill set. Okay. So that's kind of how I look at it. Like, I don't know everything. Like I'm not the best physical therapist in the world, but I have a strong business because I combine the skill set that I do have in the education and the knowledge that I have with that other piece of the puzzle, which is personal relationships with people. Absolutely. And that's it. If you don't have that, that that's something that if it doesn't come naturally, you might, you need to work on it. You know, it, it's important. I think. Definitely. So I often take my guests through the time machine and the number that I've come up with you is 15 years. So we go in the time machine, we go back 15 years. Where does that put you? What's life like? Oh, what year are we in now? Oh, that should be obvious. 2020. So 20, okay, that's, this is an interesting year. 20, 2005, I um, graduated from college that year. Um, and so I graduated um, with a kinesiology degree. And I had been accepted to physical therapy school that started, I think, a week or two weeks after I graduated. <laughs> so I packed up all my stuff and I moved. Um, it was just like a city down the road. So it was like an hour away. So I moved and started PT school, which was a three-year DPT program that went straight through pretty much no, I mean, you got vacations so like that, but it was a three trimester uh, curriculum um, for three years. So it was, um, you know, all my friends are like, starting jobs and making money and I'm like taking on more debt, which is more common now than it was then. But back then it was like, I want to start working and making money. But I knew this was the, uh, the ultimate path to what I wanted to do. And I just kind of wanted to knock it out. <laughs> so just that's the year I just started down really taking like, you know, you kind of do undergrad and you're like, yeah, I went to college, but it was like, I learned something, but it, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. And then this was when I was really going to start like diving into like the rest of what I, my life basically in terms of my career. So that was exciting. <laughs> well, for sure. And there's some points that you made that I'll probably go back to. But the first thing that I wonder whenever I talk to anybody in the industry, it's like, Okay, so what was the the inspiration that drew you towards that that line of work in the first place? Like, was it your own athletic experiences? Did something happen? Were you inspired by someone? Yeah, so I'm like the weird PT who's like never really been hurt. <laughs> like a lot of PTs go into therapy because they they had physical therapy themselves. They tore their ACL in high school or whatever. Um, but I've actually never been hurt in that way. Um, but I, I, my mother's a health teacher um, and a phys ed teacher, um, and I come from a long line of teachers in general in my family. Um, and so I just knew that I wanted to work directly with people, and I wanted to help people, and I liked health. Um, I'm not like a health nut, but I certainly think that that's 
um, important. <laughs> so um, I, that's kind of what drove me. And I was debating between being a PT and being a physician's assistant. And so I was like meeting with my counselor in school and they were like going through the curriculums of what I needed to do to get into those two programs. And they said, in order to get into PA, I had to take organic chemistry and regular chemistry was like brutal, like worst class I took. I sucked at it, like did not even want to even look at organic chem. So I was like, well, that solves that problem. So I was like, I guess I'm going to PT school, um, which in hindsight is like the best decision. I'm really happy that that's the direction I took, but that's the story really. I just, and then I just kind of went with it. <laughs> well, I mean, that's cool because we have some like things in common. I definitely came from a long line of teachers. Like half my family is either former or current teachers. And I, figured that I wanted to work with people but then I kind of like strayed away from that because I was like well really what I want to do is teach gym class and computer class and call it a day and that didn't really exist and then mm -hmm. I just went into a totally different career path had similar discussions on like what classes I needed because I thought I was going to go to film school and then I ended up in more of a labor job and I'm also I'm a personal trainer that hasn't been injured so also didn't jump in because of like past experiences is more so just based on like what fitness did for me but enough yeah. about me um we're gonna pivot back to something that had me thinking when you mentioned about um getting started with more education in a time when a lot of people in your social circle were like hitting the ground running making lots of money and you're accumulating debt like, uh, was that like a fairly big challenge? Did you find that you had to motivate yourself or reassure yourself that you're on the right path? Like, what was that experience like for you? Um, no, I was fairly confident that I was on the right path. I knew that it would sort of, this is what I wanted to do. And I knew that if I stuck with it and did well with it, it would, I'd be where I wanted to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was like a trait, it was an adjustment, you know, I was certainly living like a poor grad school kid for a while. Um, and then when I graduated from, uh, grad school, from PT school, I continued to live like a grad school, uh, kid, you know, I, I continued to have four roommates until I was like almost 30, you know? on expenses I you know I, I continued to like eat the same meal for like five days straight in bulk to save money um, and I did that to pay off my loans I paid off all my loans in two years because I just like busted my butt um, just living modestly so that I could make that happen so even though I missed out on like all that like spending money go out to the bars like whatever that everybody was doing um, it, it, it was worth it in the end because we all have choices on how we how we spend our time and our and our money and our and our time and, and and that really can play a big role into where you end up and how you view your career path. So if you look back and you go, "Oh, that was like I put in so much money and I'm still in debt and I'm never going to get out of it," but you're living a lifestyle that you really shouldn't be affording, <laughs> then that is what can keep people sort of in this like negative mindset about the choices that they've made but if you really work hard to put yourself in an elevated position so you can look back and say 
that was the right choice, then um, I think that's important. So that's just a lesson that I guess I, I don't know, it kind of comes naturally. Like I am like, I think I have a phobia of like being in debt. <laughs> so I was like, pay off, pay off, pay off as quickly as possible, um, which I guess like worked in my favor because I did feel much freer after that to finally be like, okay, maybe I'll get a new car, <laughs> you know, when I finally got to that point in my life. Well, um, I think that's yeah. really cool because what I've learned in my discussions with different people in, and it can be in the fitness industry, out of the fitness industry, but like having sort of like that disciplined mindset, um, that is a useful skill to have to a fault. And I'll expand on yeah. it more. Like many of us that are working out, we'll like we'll get a goal, we'll get dialed in on that goal. Let's say we wanted to sprint 200 meters at a certain time, or um, lift a certain weight on a deadlift. Um, we know the systems that we need to have in place in order to achieve, or at least get closer to that goal. Like we know what we have to do with our training program and we know what we have to adhere to with our nutrition. Like we know when we have to eat more and we know when we need more protein, etc. But then it kind of almost, uh, keeps, keeps our hands tied. Essentially. It's like when we get to the point where it's a fault and it's like, okay, so you knew all the things that you had to do and you filled up all of your bandwidth with those things. And then, what happens like when that thing gets taken away or what happens when something doesn't go according to plan? Like what do you have to fall back on? And to expand on it more, like being in this year of 2020, so many things that used to be kind of in our control got kind of taken out of our control sort of thing. Like whether it be a person's um, access to their facility or a person's access to the people that they work with. Um, what have you had to do to sort of navigate that those terrains like essentially you're disciplined you know how to get to your goal but when life throws you a curveball what are the strategies that you've had to gain or learn or that you've uh, paid attention to this year yeah i mean i think 2020 is a really great example of having to really do that. Um, I think it kind of goes back to my fear of being in debt <laughs> or, or not being able to financially support myself. Um, and so that's very motivating for me. Um, I do run my own in-person uh, business here. So when that got completely shut down uh, during lockdown or whatever, I had to figure out another way to work. I'm not exactly like a sit around and not work and collect from the government kind of person. <laughs> so that could be nice, but I just don't like, that's not me. Um, and so I had to pivot. And um, I think fear of failure kind of comes into this. Like it's like fear of not doing what you, what people think you should be doing or not, you know, um, being late, like being seen as being lazy or, you know, so I think it was more like a, a motivation to like, I don't know, it, it, it made me pivot. It made me do things that I want, always wanted to do, but was always coming up with excuses not to. So now I had time and I was able to sort of create an online business that I did not have before COVID at all. 
Um, and so that was something that I chose to do and chose to work on and something I was afraid of that I didn't have any background in. I don't like marketing. Um, and I had to sort of like take on new roles to sort of make that happen. Um, and I, and then, you know, and, and so I kind of had this growth period, I guess, where I learned a new skill and, um, and it's been really enjoyable <laughs> actually um, to sort of just do something a little bit different and build confidence in another area of expertise that I didn't really know anything about. So, so to get the outcomes that you've got today, what could you like narrow it down to three things that you realized that you had to do? So I'll kind of give you some perspective from if I was asked the same question and somebody was like, okay, Chris, like, what did you have to do to get the outcomes that you got? And I'd have to realize like it was my time management was a big flaw with myself. It's like, okay, how many, how many hours am I spending doing things that are actually effective? And how many hours am I doing things that actually just like mess me up? And then it was um, like clear and concise communication, like getting better at like the messages that I'm communicating. Are these for me or are these for my clients? And then also it would be like taking action, like, um, mm -hmm. everybody's good at talking about their plan, but not many people are able to execute a hundred percent of the time and just getting from being able to execute 50% of the time to being able to execute a hundred percent of the time. And sometimes that is like just the uncomfortable, like just talking mm -hmm. to everybody that you see, like for myself as an introvert, um, mm -hmm. I, I tend to be very quiet when people first meet me and then I open up once like we've created that connection, but because that's not going to really help me with an in-person business, I have to get away from the introverted tendencies earlier in order to execute closer to 100% of the time. So I got that out of the way. What have been the three things for you that you could like really uh, assess from your experience? Um, I think it's like one of them would be to like not be over-analytical. Right. So like I tend to overanalyze and that can be like paralyzing sometimes when you're trying to start something. Right. And it can really create a situation where you're afraid of getting started. And that's a problem for me. So COVID fixed that. Like I was like, well, I got to do it. <laughs> so but, but not overanalyzing. So like when I'm, you know, part of trying to go online is to like build a, a group of people who follow you and appreciate your work and you know, potentially could become customers or clients of yours. So it's sort of like, you know, you have to post on social media and things like that. And it's sort of like not overanalyzing those posts. Like it doesn't really matter what it is, just get it out, <laughs> you know, like, cause that, you know, that can be a, a huge barrier. I used to like meticulously, like try to write out a post and like, you know, and, and, and I, now I'm just like, all right, put it out there. If it, if it, nobody likes it, then I know I, you know, I struck out on that one, but like, I got to put, I just got to keep putting stuff out. So just kind of plugging away at it that way. Um, I get time management is a challenge for me also. Um, I do have a daughter who's four, who was home, you know, during this whole lockdown situation, my husband was working, I'm working. So um, also just trying to keep my expectations, I think, at a normal level in terms of I don't have to do all of this right now. This is going to take some time. Um, don't get, you know, discouraged if it 
you know, it doesn't blow up like you think, you know, in terms of popularity, like you think it's going to, um, you know, you can't put the same amount of time into it that other people can because you have these other responsibilities that you need to do. So just kind of like being okay with that um, was important too. Um, what was the question? And then... <laughs> No, you did good. You basically, you answered okay, the question. No. <laughs> you did good. And I have okay. lots that I can expand on. And one of them is, honestly, I think about imposter syndrome often. And is that something that you've experienced, especially going into a, like new uncharted territories, the online space, building online business? Like, What's your experience with imposter syndrome been? Um, yeah, imposter syndrome is something that I'm hearing that term more and more. And I don't know if that's like a 2020 thing with everybody trying to sort of like pivot and shift and do something that they're not super comfortable with. Um, and it, and it is something that I, I do struggle with. Um, I think in terms of like social media is so, um, blindsided, right? Like you, only see one part of it, right? But you don't see, um, you know, the, the other side of how difficult it is and how like you aren't super confident all the time um, and how uh, I'm trying to do all these really athletic movements, but like some of them I kind of suck at and I'm not the greatest example. And, you know, my back does hurt and my hip hurts sometimes and I have neck issues and like that, those type of things seem imposterish to me because here I am supposed to like tell you how, how to fix all these issues. And I'm constantly sort of like um, having to deal with them myself on and off and, and just like everybody else really. Um, and you just have to sort of remind yourself of that, that like nobody's meant to be, to be perfect. <laughs> um, that we all, you know, we're all, we're all different bodies and all of our bodies require different things. Um, so yeah, that's sort of where my, imposterish syndrome comes into is trying to teach people certain things that sometimes I don't have a handle on in my own body because it's so hard to figure yourself out sometimes without that external external eye yeah well and I mean that's a valuable insight to to offer to any audience like and especially I, I like that you said you know it's a buzzword because it totally is like throughout 2019 2020 imposter syndrome has come up quite often it's something that a lot of people can relate to but they relate to it on different levels some people really feel it some people like eh you know not not really I'm okay um but then when it comes down to how everybody's body is different I think that is what sets people apart is being able to express that um like when we look at things from an energy balance perspective like like kind of a bit of a stretch as far as analogies go but when you have someone that's in the industry like myself i'm a bachelor i got all this time on my hands got no kids to look out for no real like direct responsibilities nobody's like depending on me to survive and so i'm going to be able to put out content and watch seminars and do all these different things uninterrupted and when we look at like the analytics of that in comparison to somebody that might be like 40 50 60 years old they got people that are depending on them or they have a dog or they got a cat and like you can't change the fact that those people have other people in their life that rely on them and so like sometimes if a person like that might be looking at a person like me and thinking oh i wish that i 
put out like three posts a day. Like they have to step back from that and realize, no, like that dude simply has more energy for that. And the the flip side is like the the person on the other side of the equation with a bunch of younger family members or dependents, um, they are still putting out a lot of energy and gaining a lot of valuable life experience. Um, life experience being something that is incredibly useful for an in-person business. Like when it comes to connecting with like a broader range of clients, a person in your position is simply going to have an edge on that. Like I can make a fancy video day, a fancy video all day long, but I'm not going to be able to connect with a female client in the same way that you would. And so I think when a person's coming across an obstacle where they're like, oh, I just like my expectations were really high and I only delivered to this amount, they almost need to still be able to pat themselves on the back because for the amount of volume of like just holistic work that they are doing in their day, um, they're probably exceeding that other person. And we, we need to give ourselves credit for the things in our, in our life, like um, for making meals in the day and for taking the dog for the walk. Like those things still count. And I think it can help people if they kind of experience like burnout or anything like that. Um, so to, to dial things back in, what have been three moments or maybe two moments in your career so far that really stand out to you in that maybe you felt challenged or inspired? Um, yeah, well, there's like a, um, a biggie. It kind of goes back to what you were saying. Like if I, I've actually done this with, with 2020, I've sort of put myself in the shoes of someone who's more like, like myself when I was in my twenties and I was single and I was, just starting out. And I, I think back and I'm like, what would that version of myself, if I was that age now and with what's going on in the world right now, like how would I have responded to this situation? And I can honestly say that it would not have been as well as what I'm doing now. I think I would have um, been too scared or intimidated to go ahead and do it back then. So the, I think the imposter syndrome would have been stronger had I been younger and less experienced and with not just with my work, but in, in life, just like you were talking about. Um, I think that having had challenges that I entered into in my 30s with, um, you know, having a child and we had um, uh, uh, my daughter was born three months prematurely. So it was, um, she was two pounds, 11 ounces. She spent three months in the NICU. It was a very traumatic and challenging time, um, you know, for everybody for many reasons. And I struggled for a few years. I mean, I'm still trying to kind of rebound from that. And I think that when you experience something that's very, very difficult on a personal level, um, it makes all the other stuff sort of seem a little bit easier. <laughs> so you kind of like come out of it and you're just like, well, this isn't so hard because I had to deal with all that. That was way harder, you know? So I think that it gives you a little bit of perspective um, that you can accomplish more than you think you can. I remember when that situation happened, my mom said, I just don't know how you're doing this. I don't know how, how you're 
coping and, and handling a situation. Like I could never do what you're doing. And I looked at her, I said, mom, well, you raised two single, you raised two children by yourself as a single mother for years. I'm like, you do, you could, you do it because you have to, you know? And um, I think that sometimes that kind of changes your spec or perspective. You do it because you have to, you know, versus like it being sort of an option. And when you have a child, that's certainly something that changes. Things aren't optional anymore. <laughs> you know, like you have to be there for your child. You have to um, support your family. You know, there's a lot of different, different things that, um, I don't know, I guess give you empowerment that you, I, ne I didn't necessarily have before. So the challenges, I think, and adversity can help us get into um, a, a place where we can kind of overcome more, I think, or be confident to do so. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's necessary. We have to kind of like be at the bottom where we have to figure out how to climb our way up in order to be proficient in climbing our way up over an extended period of time. Um, something that stood out was just like your communication with your mom and how you had to remind her like what she was able to do. Um, have you ever had to offer that kind of perspective to people that work with you where they're kind of like reflecting on their abilities in a dimmer light and you have to kind of remind them like, Hey, um, you were here last week and you did this thing. So give your head a shake all the time, <laughs> all the time. You know, people are constantly doubting themselves and I'm not making progress and I suck at this and blah, blah. And I'm like, do you even know where you were when you first walked in this door? <laughs> you know, do you remember? They don't remember. And I'm like, you have no idea how much more you can do. And I have to remind them, like, when you came in here, you couldn't walk a block. You know, now you're going for 30 minute walks and you're having no pain and you were having, you couldn't even walk because you were just debilitated back. You know, it's like kind of putting it in perspective and they go, yeah, I, I do. I do recognize that now. And they, and they really recognize that. I think also when they, they kind of get out of a habit of moving and being fit and they, maybe they go on vacation or whatever, and they come back and they see, and I work with some, my in-person um, group of people is actually a lot older than sort of who I see online. Um, and so, you know, they, they really do see the effects of time and inactivity and what that does to their body, but they also see how quickly it returns um, when you get back into it versus um, if they let too much, too much time go. So I think that's really cool that they start to sort of recognize um, how impactful their movement is on their overall health, you know, for sure. And when it comes to like a client's reflection, like if you weren't there to remind them what it was like um say like a year ago when they first started working with you or, or something like that like do you have tools that you offer them like my my tool that i offer is i'm like hey like pay attention to your facebook memories and reflect on them from time to time because sometimes when you look back because facebook memories they're automated like they're always going to happen as long as you're active on social media it's going to pop up and then you'll be like oh that was the day that i first went to the gym how did i feel that day pretty crappy or I could only do this or I felt like this when I looked at myself in the mirror like so many different examples from so many different people but uh have you found that you've had anything 
to kind of share with clients that they can like if they're out on their own that they can be like oh yeah like go do this and then I'll kind of remember it'll be a nice refresh to to kind of keep me on track yeah not really I think just like like the walking was a good example just like oh like you could only walk a block when you first came in here but I think they they almost honestly do it on their own they'll come back and be like I went, on, I went on a trip and I like climbed this mountain and like, like this hill with my grandkids and like nothing hurt. I felt great. Like I wasn't even winded, you know, and they kind of like their memories refresh themselves. And, and it's this realization that like, I haven't done that in like years, you know, like, and here they are like 10 years older and doing more than they were when they were 10 years younger, you know, and I think that's really cool. Um, and so that's, I think they sort of, they, they tend to recognize it on their own because it's so different and powerful from what they experienced in their past. You know, when you're healthier in your seventies than you were in your late fifties, I mean, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> well, it's super cool to see, like I, I found in my experiences in a gym in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, I've found that some of the most elderly, um, workout enthusiasts, have had an experience like that. And that's what drives them to be so passionate. Like that's what gets them out of bed to work out at 6am. It's because like they had like a TSN turning point moment in their fifties and maybe they backed off on alcohol. Maybe they started going for walks. Maybe they changed their job, but whatever it was kind of gave them this big, like momentum, something that they didn't want to go back to that other version of themselves. And it's just like so crazy so inspiring to see what people are truly capable of when yeah, what I, mostly pain that bring obviously because I'm a PT it's pain that bring people into me so they're getting into their 50s and that's when they're starting to notice that these aches and pains aren't really going away you know and so they're like I got to change something and that's what it, it's exactly what it is is and that's the, that is their motivation because when they start to slack off a little bit they go yeah, my back's starting to hurt again, or yeah, this knee, you know, and so it's very quick that they will turn around and get back on the program because they don't want to go back to that place that they were because they know, they realize and recognize how far they've come. Absolutely. Have you ever worked with someone that had reluctance to kind of get started? Like maybe they were having pain, maybe they knew it would be helpful, but there was still something holding them back. Um, all the time. <laughs> um, it's really difficult. I live in South Carolina now. Um, I didn't grow up here. I grew up in New England. Um, but when you talk from like, and I'm, I'm not a nutritional expert, but nutrition, weight loss tends to be difficult here. I live in Charleston, South Carolina, where uh, food is very important social activity is very important. People like to party. They like to drink. They like to, you know, and not so much into 2020, but they like to have their food that's full of, that's not super, you know, that's very calorie dense, we'll say. And so it is very difficult to get people on that train of lifestyle change when it's been so ingrained in them for so long. So I find that I'm good at getting them to move, but the diet lifestyle change is very tricky. And so I have a lot of people who have become much better movers, but they haven't really lost any weight. Um, and they're actually cool with it because they're, 
like, I mean, it's not good for them from like an internal health standpoint. It's not good for their heart. It's not good for a lot of other medical conditions, but they are in less pain. Um, and so that's, that's something that is hard to get a handle on um, because you can only sort of encourage and suggest so much. They literally have to make the changes and put the work in on their end as well. So that's, that is challenging. Well, and I mean, it goes back to like thinking about, I think we both are probably making expectations for what we think is going to happen. And then sometimes when the reality happens, it can kind of drag us down. Like I know that you talked a little bit about that earlier. And then even just for for myself, like um, there's been times when I've formulated something with the expectation that I would get 10 participants and I got three participants and it was just like well who was it that said that you'd get 10 it was me and like nobody made some law that said 10 people had to show up it was just like okay you got three now what are you gonna do how are you going to go above and beyond and I think sometimes with with our industry being so connected with people and so empathetic and so compassionate sometimes it's hard when we know what we know and we see how we can impact change but also we're completely separate entities from the person that we're working with you know like it's when we think that we can do all these things for someone and they're just like they're just not listening or they're just not it's not important to them sometimes we have to accept well what's important to them is important to them and that's just where it ends kind of thing Right. You just have to kind of, I just, at some point you just sort of accept it and you you do keep reminding them, but at some point you just have to be like, that's not important to them. And I can only influence so much. And I'm just going to keep doing my best at the things that I am allowed to influence Um, and, and be okay with that and not think of yourself as a failure. Because I know if I could get that woman to lose 50 pounds, she would move way better than she is now, but that's not, something that she's willing to commit to and I have to be okay with that too. Absolutely. So when it comes down to people that you surround yourself with, who are like three people that just inspire the heck out of you? Like three people that you look up to or have learned from or have changed your, your career for the better. Yeah. Well, I would say um, the first one is Katie St. Clair, who I think you had on your show. Um, Katie and I met, she lives in Charleston too. And we met a few years ago and, um, started taking PRI courses together and sort of developed a professional relationship and now a really good friendship. And she is somebody that has really helped give, um, taught me so much about the fitness industry that I didn't know. Um, and given me a lot more confidence to sort of blend my PT background with, um, with fitness. So, I mean, I was doing it before, but I really, um, have a much better handle on it now. And I have her to thank for that. So she, um, her and I work out together too, and she's just full of creative ideas and it's just super inspiring. So she's like my number one girl right now. (laughs) Um, and so, and, and on top of that, you know, we, we like to help each other out and, you know, she's constantly bouncing ideas. You know, you talked about like the, oh, I wanted to get 10 and I only got three. Well, you know, if that happens to either one of us, we're sort of like, what should I do? How should I shift? What am I doing wrong? What could I be doing differently? Like, I do have this number in mind, like what I'm doing isn't working, you know, and 
is sometimes it's easier to give somebody else advice than it is to give yourself advice. Uh, that's at least what I find. Um, yeah. And so that, that's super helpful. Um, and then obviously my daughter's one. <laughs> I probably should have put her first. <laughs> but since we're on a fitnessy you know, podcast, I thought I'd go with Katie. But yeah, my daughter's obviously another one that um, inspires me. She, like I said, was born prematurely. She has really overcome a lot of obstacles um, and challenges that she had based on that. Um, and she's just doing so well. So that's just, I just, every day I'm just like, wow, like you're, you're just overcoming so much at such a young age and, and growing. And, you know, so that's really fun to watch too. Um, but and then it's like, and then I just, I go back to my mom too. So like three females, right? <laughs> so then it's like my mom and I look at her and I'm like, God, like you have done like so much, like you have been put through so much shit, <laughs> you know, like we weren't the easiest kids growing up. Like it was difficult. And, you know, so it's just sort of looking at her and saying, um, seeing how much she had, we were actually, I visited a couple weeks ago and we were watching home videos from when I was like six and my sister was like four and my mom's like setting up the birthday party and she's like got the camera on the tripod and she's got like eight kids at the table and she's like running around and like bringing the cake that she made herself and like there's no other parents there it was like a drop your kid off birthday party and she's running like the entire show herself with the video running because she can't stop and take pictures like it was just like shit you did that like every day like I like because when I like we only have a single child and it's so that we can get breaks, <laughs> you know? So it's just kind of like to, to really think that you just never got, and she was working full time, you know, in a man's world job and taking a lot of crap in the eighties and the nineties, because that's when the whole like, you know, sexual, you know, discrimination thing was kind of trying to um, come around, you know? So it was just, She's another one that's kind of, yeah, you think back and you're like, dang, <laughs> definitely not as strong as you are. <laughs> well, so many important things you highlighted there. Like sometimes a person might think, okay, who inspires me? And then they'll think of all these like published authors, like people that they've never met in real life. And it's like right. when we're looking for our inspiration, we don't have to look that far. And right. in a lot of cases, like it could be our parents or our guardians. Like I know I look up to my parents big time. Like they listen to my podcast, they'll hear this shout out. And it's like Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. They kept me alive for, for many, many years. And they must have had some strategies that they used to do that. Um, and then just as far as like you reflecting on the amount of things that your mom would do to, to raise you, like that's why it's valuable for me as a podcast host to get like females on the show because <laughs> like your typical dude doesn't have to juggle nearly as much stuff so if you get a female on the show very high likelihood that in some way shape or form some aspect of their life or what they have to deal with in their life is going to have implemented some efficiencies so me as a total bro i'm like okay if I want to be efficient, do I learn from the dude who doesn't really have to be efficient? Or do I learn from the female who has had to really refine things to be able to fit all the same things into 24 hours? And I'm like, I'm on to something. I'm going to get as many female fitness professionals on this show as possible, which is challenging. Yeah. But like, yeah. I think it's like if somebody 
doesn't have females that they're looking up to, they're missing out. And I like that all three of yours were females because that makes sense. Like dudes look up to dudes, females look up to females. But if you can diversify your circle as much as possible, and this goes with like what people look like, their abilities, their preferences, everything. Make sure your circle includes people who are like you, but then also people who are not like you. Because if it's just this big echo chamber, what are you going to learn? You're just going to be able to do the same thing you were doing before, but louder. But if if you have a lot of different people in your circle, then you're going to be able to work on your weaknesses, like the online space, or that's how introverts become a little bit more extroverted, or that's where people learn, like, oh, that was a good way to connect with a client, you know? Right, right. Um. So when it comes to this year coming to a close, have you been setting goals for yourself? Like, do you set one-year goals, two-year goals, one-week goals, anything like that? Yeah, I'm a really terrible goal setter. That's like a, that is a pitfall for me. I would be completely honest. And I, when I do set goals, it very much keeps me on track. Um, Right now I'm, sort of because I started my in-person business back up after sort of things started opening back up again. And I got out of the online space in terms of like teaching courses and things like that. I kind of, when I was doing, when I was marketing and trying to get those set up, I was like very goal oriented. Like I'm going to do this today. And, and, um, and now it's sort of just like, Oh, I'm back at work. And like every, every day is kind of like the same. And I don't have this like direction right now. Um, and so I need to get back at setting some goals um, and really deciding what I want to do. And then, and then, cause there are a lot of things I want to do and maybe that's the problem. And there's like too many things. And then I'm overwhelmed by like, which one do I do first and which one's going to be um, have the most impact. And, you know, and then I just don't get started on anything. So I think that um, my answer is I don't have any goals right now. And you reminded me that I need to. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Um, but I would set a goal like sort of between now and like January to kind of get something going, but I need to like actually put, put it down in terms of when I want those steps to be taken. (laughs) Well, I mean, there, there's still like a flip side to the whole thing because we, we know that you're very like structured in that, you know, what you need to do to get like the desired outcome. Like we talked about reducing your debt after the, the loans. And we talked about like needing to do something just because you had to do it sort of thing, like being, being a parent or the gym's closing, all these different things. Um, so to some degree, you are on track for your goal because you would have like structure to your life. You'd have certain things that just take place rain or shine. Um, What are those things? Like I've reflected on them as non-negotiables in the past. And it's just things that like no matter what is going on in the world just have to happen, whether it's career or life. Um, What would you say are your top three or four non-negotiables that have to happen in a week? Um... (laughs) This is a good question because it's not so like it doesn't have to be like just professional things that need to happen. You know, like 
I need to, I know I need to move. I know that when I don't move, I am very unhappy and I'm irritable and I am not fun to be around and I get stressed out. And so I know that I need movement um, pretty much every day. Um, and if I don't like get to the gym to move, I need to like go outside and ride my bike or go for a walk or something that's just like movement and not just like going to work and not just like work, car, family, <laughs> you know, so I need something that's a little bit extra. Um, I don't get a lot of free time to myself. So that is kind of frustrating. And I think that I use those times where I can move to sort of do something that's just for me, you know, and so that's kind of nice. Um, even if I'm riding bikes with my family, it still feels like I'm freer and by myself and not dealing with work. Um, so that's one of them. Um, you know, my clients right now are the number one, you know, like I, my in-person clients come first. That's why the online stuff kind of takes a little bit of a back burner because those, um, are, that's more important right now than trying, like, I don't want to decrease the quality of my in-person work because I'm overly focused on starting up a new online program or something like that. So I think that's why it's been a challenge to get started because I want to make sure that I'm in a position where I can keep it really balanced and not um, sacrifice, you know, one part or the other. Um, so, yeah. And then, I mean, I like to eat, so <laughs> I like to eat good food. Um, and I do, and I cook, I cook actually. So I really do enjoy cooking. Um, and I don't cook like extravagant meals all the time, but I actually do kind of like to, I don't like to just put like, you know, chicken fingers and french fries on a plate for my daughter. Like I cook her like a real meal and we all eat the same thing. And it's just something that I enjoy doing um, on a, on a right, on a fairly right, you know, if there's exceptions, but that's something that I try to try to do. Yeah. That's awesome. And I mean, those are very like, um, everybody should probably be doing all those things. Like uh, take care of your, your ability to move. Like, I mean, most times when somebody needs to be reminded to move, they're very much not wanting to. Like if somebody's like, oh, you seem a little irritable. Maybe you should work out. I'm like, no, screw you. I don't want to work out. But I probably should work out during that time. Much better. And you're like, yeah, that is what I needed. <laughs> but I'm going to resist everybody else telling me that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so one last thing that I get all of my, my guests to do for my audience is I get you to set them up with a challenge for the day. And so the way it'll work is you'll be like your challenge for the day is, and then just give them something to do something that might, um, enhance their life, or maybe it'll just be something that they'll have fun with. But whenever you're ready, I'll just get you be like your challenge for the day is and then just let them have it. Oh, well, I don't even know. <laughs> That's a hard question. <laughs> People have so many different things that they want to do. Um, but I guess my the challenge for the day. Um, well, you, you already have a lot of movers on your show, I'm sure. So to go out and move would be one of them, but that's probably a really obvious answer. Um, but I guess it would be to sort of like reflect on, I don't know, I guess like the things you might want to do and then write down all of your barriers to doing those things. So, um, 
you know, I'm a business owner. Um, I broke away from the traditional physical therapy model because I hated it <laughs> and I was miserable and I hated my job and I lost a, a relationship over it. And I was just like an ugly, awful person when I um, didn't enjoy my work and I wasn't feeling um, like I was getting anything out of it. And I think that I had to sort of sit back and say, what do I really want? What do I think that I could do differently and sort of, um, and, and go after it. And I know that there's a lot of barriers. And I was talking about this with Katie and the, um, female fitness Alliance, you know, there's a lot of male. And one of the reasons I got out of traditional PT is every single boss I had was a guy in all my jobs. And I just found it really weird that like I come from a very female dominated career path. I mean, my graduating class was like, there were like five guys in my class, you know? Um, and so, but why are all the owners of these businesses men when there's so few of them in, in relationship, right? And I just, you know, it's like, well, you know, if you really think like, well, how come a guy can do it and a girl isn't? And, you know, it's like women are like, oh, I don't have time or I'm paying off my loans or, you know, and they come up with like all these reasons. And I'm like, yeah, but those are the same reasons that guys have. Like they all have the same reasons. Why are, why are they doing it? And you're not, you know, so sort of coming up with your barriers of what you feel like you can't do this because of this and trying to figure out if that's actually true or not. <laughs> you know, like, is that really a barrier or are you just using that as an excuse? That was perfect. Like I couldn't have asked for a better challenge. I think that's important for people to reflect on. And I think hopefully people listen to that, like literally, because there's a lot of people capable of doing the job and perhaps overqualified in comparison to the person already doing the job, you know, like a lot of people are holding themselves back. Sometimes they need a wake up call and I hope that that was their wake up call. Yeah. But that wraps it up. I'd like to thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. It was, uh, I appreciate it.